Support for Class Dismissed comes from School Status. School Status helps educators at every level take control of student data for increased outcomes and meaningful stakeholder engagement. Find out more at schoolstatus.com. You are listening to Class Dismissed, episode 139, and I'm your host, Nick Ortigo. This week, South Carolina says it's looking to Mississippi as it works to improve education. Yes, Mississippi. And we'll tell you why the CEO of Walt Disney has issued an apology to an elementary school. Stay with us. This week, part two of How to Lead Through a Disaster. Last week, our guest told us how he did that after Hurricane Katrina. This week, he tells us how he reacted after two separate tornadoes hit two separate campuses of his. Hello, everybody. Nick Ortigo here, and I'm joined by the principal that's probably ready for a little bit of a spring break party, Christina Pollard. Christina, how are you doing? Spring break. It's right around the corner. It is, and I'm ready to hit the beach. Are you going to go somewhere? Are you I'm going somewhere. Do, like, you know where you're going? Or nope, you're I have out? no idea. <laughs> it's going to happen, though, right? Absolutely. It's, spring break's tricky, though, because it always hits in um, like different times of year. So sometimes True. it makes a good beach time, and then sometimes not so well, much. Well, March is still pretty cool here in the South, but if you take your all the way to Florida, you could have a good time. Um, I think I'm a little more focused on this summer than spring break. Um, this summer, I'm going to Jamaica, Ooh, and I'm nice. so excited. It's my sorority. My um, my sorority. We're celebrating our 25th Are anniversary. Are you bringing the husband? I, I am not. Oh wow! Yeah, so we're, we've got a whole week of events planned, um, themed days, and it's just going to be the absolute best. We're at an all-inclusive resort, and I'm looking forward to my butler. That's how many? How many people are going to be going oh, here? Like, I mean, y'all are probably a big class, right? Seventy-two. Wow. We've been organizing are, for like three years, so we're just ready to go y'all now. Y'all are going to be trouble. How's your husband feel about you? Uh, I think he's making remarks that I'm going to miss my son's baseball games. And I <laughs> <Right>. said, what <laughs> games? Are they scheduled yet? Right. Yeah. So, That's, you know, but he's excited for me. But at the same yeah. time, he's just it's like, it's how hard. long are you going to be gone? Yeah. Like, how many days is it again? Are yeah. you going to cook before you go? <laughs> wow. I've got my Disney trip planned for spring break. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I'm excited. And coincidentally, in this episode, um, I've got a story about the CEO of Disney had to apologize to a school, and I'll explain why in a little bit. Oh, I'm looking forward to hearing about that. So uh, let's go ahead and jump into the uh, teacher's lounge. What do you know? You know, a few episodes ago, we did a great story on the success the state of Mississippi is having with our early literacy and literacy efforts. You're aware that recent um, data released from NAEP, um, National Assessment of Educational Progress, showed significant gains specifically for fourth grade um, reading data for the state of Mississippi. Yeah, but we, overall, we, we try not to toot our own horn too much. But hey, I mean, you know, it's an exciting time. It is an exciting time. And, and then overall, our third grade literacy efforts, we went from only 50% of our students, you know, meeting expectations to 85% as a state. And we're really d- excited to share that in that last episode. But guess what's happening at this point? What's that? Other states have their eyes on, on Mississippi. Us? Yes. So, all right. If, you, if you've lived here, I've, I didn't grow up here. I grew up in Virginia. I grew up in California. Right. But I moved down here and um, I, I now consider myself a Mississippian. I've been here since 1998. So over 20 years. And... 
if you don't live here, it's it's sometimes a little rough being looked in on the outside. That's right. You know, a lot of My times perception is not always yeah, great. Yeah, your 49th or 50th and everything or whatever. So to hear as another state. Well, we're in the top for growth. Right. Um, in reading according to Nape. And so right now, many states are taking a look at our efforts and um, wanting to adopt some of our, our policies and our procedures so that they can make um, radical changes for their so like who's, who's well. looking at us? Like what's happening? Well, here? I tell you, right. Just recently, our state superintendent, Dr. Carrie Wright, was in the state of South Carolina. Okay. And she shared about an hour long presentation that talked about the efforts put in place over the last six to seven years. Um, she shared with their uh lawmakers and their um, education representatives about expanding our early literacy preparation. You Mm -hmm. hit those babies at three and four and send them ready for kindergarten, how much effort that makes. Um, The extensive professional development being offered to teachers, not just teachers within the public school system, but even in the private school system. Our state department opened it up to everyone that could make an impact um, on early literacy and literacy and then continue to continuing to increase the expectations in the beginning Children only needed to perform um, on a performance level two to be considered ready for fourth grade. And after a few years, where we are right now is that they have to perform um, on at least a level three on the state assessment to be promoted to fourth grade, according to the Literacy Based Promotion Act. And we went from 50 percent of those children to 85 percent. Of course, we still have a great number of children that are struggling, but it's putting higher expectations with all of the right training, skills and resources in place for teachers to help children be successful. And so South Carolina started their literacy literacy overhaul right around the same time that Mississippi did. Okay. But here's what's interesting about their data. Yeah. Their third grade data actually dropped. Wow. And they invested over $200 million into overhauling their literacy efforts, and they did not see um, the growth that they I mean, were what hoping. What was the big difference maker in your opinion? Do you know? Or? Well, I, I don't. I don't think I can speak to exactly what the difference maker is, but I will say that they have identified the intensive professional development and the wide range that is offered to it is is one of um, the great steps that Mississippi okay. took in making sure that their teachers were prepared. Another thing that our state did is they started identifying. Now, as a principal, I get a little upset about this sometimes, but our state um, identified some of the best teachers across the state and pulled them from the schools and turned them into what's called literacy coaches Hmm. and then trained them up heavily and then placed them back in the lowest performing schools to provide assistance to teachers and principals. Did you lose anybody? I lost one of the best teachers we've ever had. I sure did, but she's a phenomenal literacy coach. I'm extremely proud of the work that she's doing. Of course, I can still communicate with her. Did she get put back into your district or she got pulled out of your district? No, no, no. You go to a completely different because you want it to be an open, safe relationship. Um, You know, there are some principals in schools that are struggling. So you get someone that does not have any type of um, connection or, you know, any prior knowledge or bias, should I say. Okay. Um, and you want a clean, professional um, relationship so that you can be given the best support. So tell me more about this literacy coach. Like yeah. you're working with the teachers or the students? The literacy coach trained? works with the teachers and the administrators. Okay. So they guide us. They model for us. They train us. They provide um, professional development. They help us analyze our data. They work closely with the principal to make sure that um, not to tell the principal what to do, but to provide any support where the 
principal might either need some assistance with um, improving their own literacy skills or helping a teacher in need. I mean, I happen to really enjoy the literacy coach we've been assigned to for the last two years. Um, the vision that I have for our school, she truly understands it. And the ongoing support that she provides, it has just been um, is she unmatched. Em- is she embedded in the school or is it like swings by once a month? Like what's um, the- She visits us about twice a week. Okay. I want to say every week, unless she's gone to a training, she's assigned to several schools. I'm not aware of where else she's assigned, right. but she visits our campus so frequently throughout the year. I mean, everyone knows exactly who she is and it's not for show. She's extremely knowledgeable. Right. Um, and, and our teachers trust her and they work very well with and her. And technically employed by the Department of Education for the state? Yes. However, yeah. the way it works is I believe they're on somewhat of a sabbatical. So they're still employees for their school districts where they came from. Their okay. salaries are paid by the school district. And then the State Department reimburses them through the funding that they identified for this service. Wow. I had no idea. I almost want to talk to your literacy coach. Well, I'm telling I, you, it's like, it's made a huge difference. And in the very beginning, our state hired about 60. And now there's nearly um, 400 from what I'm told. Wow. Okay. Wow. So they're all over the state. Well, it's good to see, um, like I said, Mississippi being looked at in uh, envy from other states. Like it, I'm going to tell you an exact quote that one lawmaker said is, we want to be Mississippi. They have made st- unbelievable strides, and we want that. And, you know, you go to conferences and stuff and you interact with, with you know, other states and people from other districts. And oh, stuff. wow. I it's, was just in New Orleans last week. Okay. And so, like, it, do you, you kind of, you know, you feel a little more proud, I right? I did. I did. I actually um, wanted to meet one of the uh, presenters because it was such a phenomenal session being offered. And I complimented her on her session and she looked down at my badge and she said, oh, well, where are you from? You're from Mississippi. You all are doing great things in that state. And I just lit up. Because she saw some of the articles that have recently been posted about our excellent growth. That's good. It's good to hear and, and makes me smile when I hear hear that. So uh, thanks for bringing that to the table. Um, I mentioned that Disney uh, was a little bit in our news and um, it had to do with a recent story. I kind of saw it unfold slowly and I thought, oh, I'm going to put that in the in the show. And then it unfolded some more. And, and here's what happened. So there was this school, Emerson Elementary School, that wanted to do a fundraiser. And they wanted to do it where like they would, you know, have a privately owned DVD of The Lion King at this fundraising event. And kids would come and bring money and get pizza and watch The Lion King together. And and then they would make, I think, I think they end up making like $800. And, and they're going to um, turn around and spend it on the children. Right, exactly. Well, apparently there's a third party company that represents Disney who looks out for licensing issues. And they got wind of this from, I don't know how, and they contacted Please the school. Please tell me they didn't try to sue the school. Well, not necessarily so much sue, but basically like issued a fine of $250. And so they took money from children. Basically. Yeah. So, um, word gets out that, you know, we have to pay for this. So 250 of our $800 that we raised for the kids is now got to go to this multi-billion dollar that company. That you're using for incentives and rewards and needs of children that parents chose to really just donate. Right. And so obviously, you know how things go in this world. It ends up on social media. The press starts to pick it Hope up. There was you backlash. Start, there was backlash. And so much so that um, here's Robert Iger, the CEO of Disney. Our company, Walt Disney Company, apologizes to Emerson Elementary School PTA, and I will personally donate to their fund 
raising initiative. Um, so that was on, uh, earlier in February. Well, that's great year. that he it retracted that and um, also offered to donate. They don't realize how hard our PTOs work to support school efforts. So and, and so let's now that we have all that laid out there, I think we're all probably in agreement with with everything so far. It's great that he apologizes. It's great that he's going to donate, but. But we need to learn about copyright infringement and and not just that. Should schools is that piracy? What would that be called? Schools have to. There, there needs to be some sort of loophole or something where schools can use. Because, like, let's be honest. Well, this school but you're did saying break the rules. schools, but you then said PTO, and there's a difference. Right. The P- P- PTO does not is not an entity of the school. This is true. They are their own five hundred one C three. C3 organization. Right. Um, And so they have to be knowledgeable about those types of procedures and rules, just as they have to be um, knowledgeable about state procedures for finances for a PTO. It is very different from how the school. And if no one was outraged about this, they probably just would have had to pay the fine. And I'm sure that happens frequently where someone gets caught. And And maybe Disney needs to put out information and send it out to all the schools in America. Well, or... Or maybe so. I don't. I don't know where I fall because again, according to the law, they broke the law. Like they. And what were, was the law they broke? Well, clarify. Okay, I don't know exactly. Now you're putting me. on I the mean, spot. I guess what I'm saying you're, is you're, you're, showing using, it because they collected money. Yeah, you're using another company's IP, their intellectual property, to I make got money. You, yeah, and that's so, true. And so, like, that's you, so. Could they could they have worded it differently? Let's have movie night, and at the same time, we're having a silent auction. And if you'd like to donate. Yeah, I mean, and you could not let anyone know that you're showing the Lion King, but if you show it, you're still breaking the rules, right? You're again, you you're are. using. I just hate uh, it for those sweet mamas. I hate it too. Though. So I'm, I'm almost wondering. Like, I, I wish that the big companies of the world, the Disney's of the world, would say, you know what? There's some things we're going to turn our head to, and hopefully, maybe that that was a conversation Bob Iger had with this third party company that does the licensing for them. I have you know? a recommendation. Don't know how we can get this information to that PTO, but I think that it would be very important for them to share this experience with the national organization. Mm-hmm. They provide a lot of, of strategies and suggestions and and lots of detailed information on a national website for the Parent Teacher Association. Um, and it would be helpful if they maybe contacted them and explained this. So that could be a just another strategy or piece of information that they provide on their website. Yeah, it, it would. I mean, I think, though, at the at the end of the day, in terms of lawyers, the problem is like, you're not supposed to do that, period. But they, but you want them to be but able I'm to do that. But I'm a mom, right, and we're exactly, just trying right. to sell cupcakes and raise money to buy pencils for our hardworking I, students. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I, I guess the strategy is if you get busted, make a big deal about it online, and hopefully the local media picks it up. And then there it is, and you'll you get, get a donation, right? Yeah, from the CEO of Disney. Are you ready for the bright idea? Bring it on. Our guest in today's Bright Idea segment is here to talk about leading through natural disasters. Dr. Ben Burnett actually has been through three different natural disasters. We uh, talked about Hurricane Katrina last week. That actually happened in 2005. And then later on in life, 2013, he was the superintendent at the Lamar County School District when they were hit by an EF4 tornado, which is a massive tornado. And then four years later, uh, he was the college dean at William Carey University when their campus was struck by a powerful EF4. F3 tornado. Dr. Burnett, welcome back. We appreciate you continuing this conversation with us. Uh, It's uh, it's great to be back with you and and talk about a subject where I probably learned more in my administrative career than uh, anything else I did. Uh, No doubt. And I think that's why it's so important to share these stories, because 
these are the things that could happen anywhere. I mean, you could be, right. it could be an earthquake, it could be you know a hurricane somewhere else. I mean, there's just so many natural disasters that could mm-hmm. strike anywhere. And and like you said, like no one prepared you for this. They aren't teaching this really in school. No. Maybe you might be doing a short piece on it in school uh, now. We, I, I am inserting it <laughs> <laughs> uh, with stories and updates in my our educational leadership curriculum. Uh, uh, informally as much as formally. So uh, I think that experience certainly helps us do our job better. You you really need to hear this um, full story. So again, if you missed last week's episode, uh, be sure to catch up where he talks about Hurricane Katrina in 2005 when he was a principal. Now we are moving into 2013 when you were a superintendent of the district where an EF4 tornado hit. And I'll try to set this up a little bit. It's um, February, was it 10th, 2013? Mm-hmm. So really, I guess about seven years ago. Yeah, yeah. It just, just passed the anniversary. And the reason I remember that is because uh, my birthday was this week on February the 12th. And I remember a superintendent of education sitting in Oak Grove High School with no power around a table with about 15 or 20 key people from the, the community uh, um construction workers, our attorney, mm-hmm. all architects. And I remember thinking, it's my birthday. hey, it's my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm doing. This ha- is where happy I found birthday. Myself. For those who don't know, I covered weather from, gosh, about 2004 up through 2014 um, for a local TV station. And this was, if before this date, if you asked me what the worst case scenario was for a weather event, this was it. It was mm-hmm. a large wedge tornado headed towards a populated area. That's right. Um, and, and that's where we were. We found ourselves, it was a weekend. Was it a Saturday or Sunday? I can't, yeah, I hit on a Sunday. It was a Sunday. And um, the, the forecast wasn't even that bad from the, the prediction center. I think they had us under a slight risk for severe weather. Um, I typically didn't work weekends. At another colleague of mine, Robert, was on. And we saw this tornado develop way out in, I think it was Walthall County, we saw it develop early, or at least a cell that was developing a pretty nasty tornado. So I ran up to the station, hopped on air with Robert, and and we started covering this thing live on air. Large wedge tornado being reported on the ground in northern Lamar County by Chasers. Uh, They're going to upgrade the tornado warning to a tornado emergency for Lamar County and Forest County. All right, this is pretty much uh, one of the worst case scenarios that we can possibly have. Um, we do not want to be in the situation when you have a, what, a wedge tornado. I mean, you're talking about what could be a tornado potentially a quarter of a mile to as much as a mile wide. Um, so if you are in West Hattiesburg or the Hattiesburg area, you need to be putting your tornado action plan in motion, uh, talking about uh, finding the best uh, room for your house, uh, to possibly a, an interior room, sturdy bench, mattresses, blankets, pillows, uh, bike helmet if you have one. And, um, and we knew, like, you... If you go back and you listen to my voice, mm-hmm. my voice starts to crack on air because I, mm-hmm. I knew Very what was about seriously. to happen. Yeah. Uh, I've been here for about 10 years, and it's the first time we've really had what we would describe as a wedge tornado uh, on track towards a major metropolitan area. And this tornado, the way a, a weather service classifies the strength of a tornado, it's actually done retroactively. They look at damage. And the reason this tornado was classified in EF4, I don't even know if you know this, was that home that's like a few hundred yards away from your high school that was completely just splinters left, mm-hmm. I mean, from the frame. Yeah. And it was that spot where they said, this is where this tornado was at its strongest point, right next to your high school. Yeah, it's right in the in that spot you're talking about is right in the bend of a road mm-hmm. re- leading up to the high school and, and the two houses houses, one on either side, one was just finally rebuilt on the spot of land. But I saw it the other day. That's funny it, you say that. Yeah, yeah, but the other one was a white framed house on the other side of the road, and it had been there. I mean, I, I'm an Oak Grove graduate from 1982, okay. and that house had been there as long as I could remember, and they've never rebuilt. It's just still trees and weeds that have grown up around that 
uh, and they never did rebuild on that site. If the storm, I remember being on air and thinking the schools didn't cross my mind because it was the weekend, right? Like right. I, I wasn't right. thinking like, oh my goodness, you, you have kids in these schools and this tornado is headed straight towards the school. But I did know almost exactly where it was as we were forecasting its location. Grass area. You've got uh, Lamar uh, County Oak Grove, Upper Lower Elementary there, I believe. However, later I find out that you did have some people uh, we in did. the school. We, we, uh, just a handful, a handful. Thankful, thankfully only a handful. We had um, our annual staff was up there. Matter of fact, one of our school board members' daughter was up there working on the annual staff. And uh, uh, all of the school personnel did the right thing and got them into safety because, I mean, it did. I think you had a basketball team maybe uh, in the gym. The girls' basketball team was practicing. Right. Uh, and uh, n- nobody was injured uh, with that, uh, thankfully. Right. Had we had anybody in our school, in our athletic field house, which, as you know, is right there at the football field, mm-hmm. uh, we would have had some fatalities. Yeah, the, the field house was completely demolished. Yeah. No, I think uh, but I think we can that's see it. it right there, the tornado on the camera. Yep, um, that's it. And you just saw a transformer explode. They, so that's we, have, it. we have power flashes there. That is a large tornado on the ground. This is looking just south of Petro Nissan in West Hattiesburg. That is a large tornado. That's it. And we are getting damage with this. We've, seen, we've already seen power flashes, a strong rotation with this. Yeah. So, so talk to me about this. So you, here we are again. It's it was just around the evening time, or kind of afternoon mm-hmm. into the evening. So you were able to probably drive out right after it happened and see I, the damage. I, I was. I was home. I remember my uh, my son's uh, best friend, who's uh, still his best friend, was over at the house that afternoon. They were in uh, elementary school, uh, maybe in middle school, and uh, and I remember telling them to get in the hallway. Mm-hmm. And then I remember looking out my front window, and it was um, it was pretty pretty horrible i live just a couple of miles from lake serene which is one of the places it went through right and uh so it passed and then somebody called and said hey i think i heard that the press box at the high school was blown over and and so we have had a school police officer at that time who lived in my lives in my neighborhood and he called and said look uh i'm coming to get you and so he got the school police car Mm -hmm. came and got me and we rushed up there and saw around to the corner coming into the high school thinking I'm going to see, you know, some limbs and maybe some metal around and the, the press box would be on the ground and trying to think of what we would do. And as we rounded the corner and I saw, uh, I'll never get this image out of my mind, literally it looked like somebody just took a bite out of the field house and half of it was gone. Wow. And, uh, like cut right through it almost. That's right. Yeah. And uh, it did $7 million worth of damage at the high school. And it, it impacted heavily the uh, main building where all the students uh, would be. And we, we reopened. We had classes three days later. Wow. It, and it, and it, how much movement of classrooms did you have to do there? Uh, pretty, pretty good bit. Obviously, the, uh, there was no going to athletics. Uh, and just on a side note, that next fall, uh, was when they won the state, the only state championship the football team has ever had, and they had no field house. Wow. Uh, we renovated. Uh, there was a, a building kind of across the street, but it was probably at least a quarter of a mile hike for the football kids that we renovated into a field house and weight room. Uh, so the football team won their only state championship without even – you know, a real home. And they've been several times for the record. But uh, been about, the one they've they, been about five or six other times. Right. But the only time they won. Yeah. So, so that must have been pretty special, though, to, yeah. to kind of cap it off. Like yeah. That. Shows you what some resiliency and teamwork can do. All right. So you, you say that the field house was damaged, but how, what type of damage was in the high school itself? Like, I mean, were 
five classrooms had to be misplaced? Oh, or, no, no, or, no. It, it was much more widespread than that. And okay. we ended up having to, and this was the, the trickier thing, was doing all the repairs once students were there. Mm-hmm. Because we literally uh, stripped every floor, rewaxed every floor. We had to replace windows across the whole campus. Right. Because, as you know, that was a relatively new high school, mm-hmm. uh, about 2000 or 2001, I think it was built. And uh, but every every window in the whole complex was replaced eventually, and we had to do that while classes were going on. So it was much more difficult uh, to regroup after classes were in to make sure the students were safe. But uh, within the building, uh, some classes looked like they had not been touched at all. But I remember walking in one one classroom, and a pretty huge pine tree limb was just sticking. Uh, between the roof, I mean, all the way down to the floor, it looked like somebody like had just went straight through the straight through the roof. And this building is steel frame, I yep. guess. And, yeah, yeah, and, and wow. pretty pretty large. Right, <laughs> you know, it's a big roof line. Uh, so, you know, the first thing we had to do once school was back in was to get a new roof on it. And okay, so, so how much did Katrina prepare you for this, or was this totally different? Uh, it was well. The biggest difference was I was in charge right, yeah, right. <laughs> so, of everything. Yeah, yeah. And, and another difference was that, that it was it was uh, confined to just one campus. Mm-hmm. You know, so the rest of the school district, everybody was out the next day because we didn't know what kind of tornado damage uh, in the rest of the community, and uh, there was a good bit of damage in the Oak Grove community. Right, and you know, uh, a lot of neighborhoods, a lot of power outage, uh, trees down. And a lot of our students still couldn't get back to school, even when we came back to school three days later. But the the next, I think the next two days, the entire district was shut down just because we had to assess what was going on. Uh, but then uh, Oak Grove High School was out one day longer than everybody else just to get the building back as best we could. And, and so what were the, the unexpected things that you'd want to share with people? Like, what did you not see coming? Um. Uh, of how a plan of how to uh, deal with insurance companies and cleanup companies and and, and I you know we're going to get to the William Carey tornado a couple of years after that four years after that and and I could see some things that I would have done differently you know because you can turn totally turn over the cleanup uh, to outside companies and you really should uh, do that should or should not should okay uh, gotcha. because your insurance company should pay uh, totally for that and well and so our ins- and I don't want you to you don't put you in a spot where you have to bash insurance companies but I mean you would think that they'd want to help like this they're Absolutely. paid for it and they they would come in did you did you feel that way or did uh, you find yourself no, fighting with them no we had uh, I don't remember us fighting with them at all we had to negotiate some in that cleanup uh, but we felt like we had really good service from the insurance company and the insurance company at William Carey. Uh, from and you know, I wasn't directly in, involved with it at, at my level, but just seeing what happened, they were absolutely incredible. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, you know that, that's one of the biggest pieces of advice is that you do have to make sure you've got correct coverage, and you're covered in all instances, uh, and you can't go uncovered for even a day. Uh, I remember during my superintendency, we had insurance quotes that came in like six hundred thousand dollars more than what they were the year before. And I had already done the budget, and you know we we had budgeted just a little increase. We had no idea it was going to go up by that much, but we couldn't risk you know shopping around and being uncovered even for a day. Uh, it would have been a disaster. So we just had to find the money and just go forward. Did did this scare you? You at some point you must have thought, what if this was during a school? Absolutely. I mean, like, did it change your perspective at, on uh, anything? Well, it, you know, we never took a. 
a chance uh, as a teacher, principal, or superintendent with weather. You know, when you get a warning, you take care of the children, you ground the buses, you do whatever you've got to do. But I think what it did would uh, drive home the point to everybody, parents, students included, everybody that, hey, had this been during school, uh, we would have lost some lives. And we cannot take that chance. Uh, and it changes the student's perspective. Um, uh, you know, the tornado, uh, William Carey, uh, and four years later, the, the, the campus was full of students in the dorms when it hit. Uh, my son was in the dorm. Okay, well, let's let's touch on that a little bit. Let's go to William Carey. Here we are. Um, it's, I think, January, maybe 21st of mm-hmm. 2017. Right. This is different. This is a, a college campus. Um, and, and full disclosure, the one in 13 also hit University of Southern Mississippi, but it, it was Mardi Gras and everyone was gone. Yeah, and, and it did significant damage to their campus. It did. Um, but this 2017 storm that hits William Carey University down the road, um, it it's full of students, um, students. Um, you guys have also a lot of students. I know maybe it's just from athletics, but I mean, they're Mm -hmm. from all over the world. They're not necessarily used to tornadoes, Uh, Uh, students from England and (laughs) and they don't don't see this. We have 17 or 18 countries at least, maybe more represented at William Carey. And I remember one of our staff members, uh, uh, recounting a story that she had talked to an international student where they don't have tornadoes. I mean, it's just not a weather event in their country. And the student was real scared, saying, is it coming back? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, Hope they, not. they didn't understand that, you know, once it blows through, then... That's it. That's it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so they were terrified that, you know, when's round two or when is it coming back through? Right. Um, and the other thing was, this was in the middle of the night. It was mm-hmm. pitch black. I don't know if it was one, two, three in the morning. It I can't three, quite remember. three or four o'clock. Yeah. Because I, it was a Friday night and our son uh, was a fr- freshman at that time. And he lived in the dorm. And usually on a Friday night, he would uh, be home because we only lived, you know, uh, 30 minutes away and he would come home every weekend. Mm-hmm. And he'd actually come home for supper that night and convinced us that he needed to go back to campus. There was something happening the next day and a lot of students were on campus that normally would not have been. I don't even remember what event it was. And so we said, well, there's some really bad weather coming. So if you're going to go, you need to go ahead and go now. Right. And then I, I remember waking up in the middle of the night when the the uh, tornado sirens were going off and of course yeah. WDM, the local TV station was up and going and thinking, my gosh, what have I done? And we knew this one was going to be bad. You never can predict where a tornado is going to be, yeah. but we knew the ingredients were right yep. for something pretty nasty. Even, even the night before, because mm-hmm, you know, right. we, we told, he, he had had a friend that came over with him and we said, look, y'all get back to the dorm, call us when you get there. I want to know you're safe. Um, and 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 the the comfort of being able to text or talk with you know, your child when something like that right. is going on, uh, because when he was out in the hallway, we were you know three thirty in the morning, literally texting back. So and you forth. had immediate response. Oh yes, we yeah. did. We did, and I knew that he was okay. So my my first fear as a parent was relieved that I know my my son's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so finally, about do you remember what those texts said specifically? Like, was he did, was he describing damage or he, he was because uh, uh, his uh, girlfriend at that time lived in the dorm across campus, and his uh, dorm had some damage with all the glass doors being blown in. But he didn't even know that he was in the hallway, right? And he was texting with his girlfriend at that time, and he texts and said, "No, my dorm is okay. I think her dorm has uh, some broken glass, but that's that's you know all that." all the damage so in his mind you know it had blown through and there was little so fast. little yeah. to no damage and everything was fine 
uh, he had no concept about what he was going to open the door to. Right. And uh, about five o'clock that morning, you know, the weather was still horrible. Mm-hmm. The tornado was gone, but the weather was still horrible. And my wife and I had been waiting and waiting, you know, the time of getting over there because I needed to get him, but I also needed to check on my own buildings as the dean of the School of Education, you know, and it just felt like I needed to be there. So finally at five o'clock, I looked at my wife and I said, you can go with me if you'd like to, but I'm going. Right. I'm getting in my truck and I'm going. And it was it was the worst weather I've ever dro- driven through to get to the campus. And the, the regular entrance to campus was not passable. There were power lines down. So we had to revert and go in through a back entrance. And then I could only get within a couple of blocks. And the closer we got to campus, it was very evident to me, even though it was pitch black dark still, that this was not... A minor event. And there were some brick buildings demolished, right? Oh, yeah. We, we lost six buildings totally. Wow. Uh, 48 of our 50 buildings were impacted. Uh, so it literally came through the front door and just like it paid a visit to every building uh, on campus. Um, and where my son's dorm was was in the, the very first corner right as you get to campus. Uh, and that was that was the area that was impacted the least. Mm-hmm. But it was like it went through the middle of the campus. Uh, uh, our auditorium building was very hard hit. Our business building, which was brand new, had only been in, in existence for like two years. They thought they were going to have to tear down because structurally it was damaged so bad, but they were able to, to uh, revive that building. No fatalities, right? Not not on our campus. On your campus. But, but I think there were in, four it, from the tornado. But yeah. in the immediate community, yeah. I mean, not too far from our, our buildings, we had uh, fatalities. Uh, many students were hurt. Um, yeah, and I think if you don't mind me sharing the one story that I think kind of describes what it was like was the student who I think she was running and she swung around and grabbed the door frame yep. and a door slammed on her finger. And, and she, she lost her finger. She lost yeah. her finger. Yeah, and, she was actually the goalie of the soccer team. Wow. And, I did not know that. I knew yeah, she was on the she, soccer team. I did not know she was the yeah. one person who needs her hands. And she was from a different, wow. different country. Uh, and uh, she had quite a story of resiliency because she she went on and I've heard nothing but I remember talking to her coach and he's like she's doing great mm-hmm. and I just thought oh my goodness like I mean yeah. you know you come to the United States to play at a university it's the last <laughs> thing you right. expect to happen that's right and, and so yeah kind of it kind of gives you chills almost but uh, I'm glad to hear that she she was all right and yeah. pushed through she and I, I think that her safe to say that her injuries were the worst uh, on campus right um, and took the longest to recover. Uh, from on campus. Wow. But it just kind of gives you that picture of how chaotic it can be in mm-hmm. a split second. That's you know, right. this tornado coming through. And even though you're in an interior building, a, a very strong, solid structure, you know, there still is chaos and things mm-hmm. can happen. Um, so, yeah, it, it was certainly a disruption. You asked a question earlier about, you know, what was unexpected or what we learned from it. Right. In, in both cases, uh, and going back to the, from last week's episode from the, the hurricane. Uh, and it's not unexpected, but just a, a great side effect of all this is just seeing the outpouring of support from people. Right. Uh, at, at Oak Grove High School, when we were uh, cleaning up and, you know, of course, insurance companies doing their best to get people there to clean up the parking lot because the parking lot was a mess. Uh, power poles for the football field, um, which are rated, I think they were rated like at 100 miles an hour. Uh, because you have to, to 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 get that kind of uh, lighting on a football field in our area, but they were snapped in two, wow. and, and just laying everywhere. Uh, but uh, uh, the the county supervisors, of course, were were a help. But from two counties over, uh, we looked up one day, and um, uh, this group uh, of uh, people from two counties over, their supervisors had sent them backhoes, dump trucks. 
That's great. Yeah. And, and they cleaned up the parking lot. Right. You know, while all of our folks were concentrating doing other things, they said, look, we got this part. That's really cool. And and, and so those who don't know, when we keep saying EF4, that's Enhanced Vegeta Scale 4, that's a tornado of 166 to 200 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. So a 100-mile-per-hour rated pole, I mean, it doesn't snapped, really stand a chance. Snapped right into you know? it. And that's where the, as you know from the geography of the community, that's the tornado came right through the athletic complex right over the football field. Right. Uh, and I'm surprised still uh, that we didn't have to totally replace the stadium. Yeah, and so that must have been for weeks or months. Like, how do you even ensure that the stadium structurally sound? You probably had to bring out architects or engineers of, of some sort. Multiple architects and engineers because I, we had a home. I think the first football game the next fall was at home, and we literally finished the renovations that day. Wow. I mean, and we didn't wait and put it off. Right. It's a turf field, and the turf field had to actually be vacuumed. I was going to say, I'm surprised they didn't replace your turf just for the concern of glass being in it. Well, and that was an insurance decision, and I wish they would have replaced it because it would have made us feel more comfortable. We had no injuries or accidents as a result of that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I was there. My son was in the high school band, and, you know, I was there at the football game. Obviously, would have been regardless, but my, my... stomach the whole night was turning <laughs> flips because it had to you're in charge right like right. the buck stops with you yeah. and you've got how many people standing in stands yeah, that probably, probably five or six thousand in attendance that night and you can't can you test that in advance i mean well, well we had structural engineers right I mean, but you can't test you can't test it you can't put sandbags on it you can't do a dry yeah. run right but, uh i mean and, yeah that had to be a lot of pressure on you and, and we had people saying oh i think i see it swaying or i yeah and, which and literally the next week our architect went and sat in the place where somebody had said they saw something yeah and so it took a long time before we all felt, including myself, felt comfortable with that. Yeah, um, that's tough. Uh, it's, that's it's, something you don't think about. Mm-mm. So have you ever had, um, I know, well, you were at William Carey, for example, and, and William Carey already had experience dealing with natural disasters because right. they, they had, of course, their campus in Hattiesburg. They had the coastal campus that they dealt with with Katrina, right. um, very much so. Total loss. But did did they lean on you at all, or did they feel like pretty confident with where they were after well, that tornado? I'm, I'm just to brag on uh, my organization, uh, the, the facilities director, Bob Levins, uh, had guided the uh, the campus through the Hurricane Katrina right. in 2005, and so they had experience with that. And he has a wealth of experience, the military background, on leading through things like this. Uh, they did include me on a couple of meetings. Um, our uh, provost, who just left the university this week to take a, a presidency up in Tennessee, Dr. Hummel, uh, I remember, invited me in on a couple of meetings. He said, just, I want you to sit in and uh, talk or just listen and see if we're missing anything. Uh, so I appreciated, the, you know, their value and the fact that I had been through that. But I'm they didn't need me. They had it um, under control. I think the only piece of advice I did offer uh, our president uh, asked about a uh, some kind of a particular kind of insurance adjuster uh, that you can use uh, after uh, that basically goes behind your insurance company to ensure that they're doing everything correctly. Right. And, and I advised him against that. We had used that kind of public adjuster one time, and we didn't one time. And I told him I didn't uh, think in our situation, and uh, and he did not use the public adjuster, went to the board with it and explained why. And because the insurance company we had did everything possible that, that was needed to be done, okay. you know, we couldn't have asked for uh, anybody to bend over backwards any better than they did. So the... 
if a colleague calls you from another part of the country mm-hmm. and he he's going or she's going through their first natural disaster and they say, you know, what do I do? What, what can you tell me? Uh, uh, first of all, you need to pray before you do anything else. Uh, yeah, you need to engage your school architect. And that was a, uh, an advantage that we had at Oak Grove High School. We had been using the same architect uh, company whose offices, ironically, are like a third of the mile from Oak Grove High School. Uh, he was actually the first person I saw when I rounded the corner. He already had his hard hat on and had the plans of the high school in his hands. Wow, that's 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 reassuring. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I, he walked right up to me and said, All right, yeah, this, that's Lewis this is Landry Architects, is yeah, that right? David Landry, who's yeah. now retired, but uh, yeah. I'll never have that image of um, David Landry out of my mind coming up to me with the plans in his hand. And it was a level of comfort. Right, so it is. To, to know you're somebody who knows what they're doing. They had know? built every building, every building in the campus. So he knew where every line was, uh, every addition, everything. And so uh, uh, you need to surround yourself with a small group of people. If you have 30 or 40 telling you what to do, it's going to be a, a nightmare. Uh, you need to have your architect, an, an engineer. Uh, you need to have your board of trustees or your school board, whatever uh, organization you need to make sure they're informed and are on the page and you know the purchasing laws of your state if they're suspended during a, a time like that if you have to follow state purchasing laws and so why is that important to somebody like me because uh, you don't have time to put something out for bid like the first thing we had to do at oak grove high school with the f4 tornado was get a new roof on and ordinarily a new roof you're going to have to put something out for bid you're going to it's a six five to six month process to draw up the plans mm-hmm. put it out to bid you can't just pick up the phone and say come put a new roof on but in that case we could because what what changed and this might because this you, might vary from state to state because guess, w- with the uh, threshold of what the bid laws of what you have to put out to bid uh, in a state of emergency if the governor declares a state that's of what it took though yeah. that that declaration yeah you have to be in a state of emergency and then you can suspend the bid laws of course you don't i mean you still want to do uh, financially be a good steward of the the taxpayer's money and you want to make sure you're doing everything uh, and also in conjunction with the insurance because you're not spending the state's money at that point you're spending the, the insurance company's money at that point so you've got to make sure that they are uh, on board and and so it's a collaborative effort uh for sure. This was an experience you wouldn't wish on your enemy, right? I mean, a- absolutely, on, on anybody. But do you feel like it's been an important part of your life and your career? Oh, uh, w- w- without a doubt. It's I defined it's, you, I guess? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, especially the last um, uh, issue here at William Carey, watching the university go through that, because we uh, we had classes up and going two days after that. Um, uh, you know, I mentioned the, the board of supervisors from uh, a couple of counties over who came and cleaned up. I didn't mention, and it's certainly worth mentioning at William Carey when we uh, we couldn't have any student on campus. I couldn't even get on campus. I mean, uh, so yeah, what was the trick here? You said 58 out of 60 buildings were damaged, but you had class going two days? Like- uh, well, there's two two tricks. Uh, <laughs> first of all, we had an online presence in all of our classes already through mm-hmm. our uh, online learning system, Canvas. And so every teacher... Uh, decided uh, this is how I'm going to continue my class. Now, we met classes in other places. We used churches. Uh, the Pedal School District, which is a local school district right here, very close to— And they, they were hit as well. They were hit as well, but uh, their central office said, look, we want to house the School of Education. So I picked up my team, my administrative assistants, our department chairs. We got our stuff out of our office that we could— and I went to the Pedal School District, and because it was during registration time for the next term, mm-hmm. 
And so we just we didn't miss a beat. And because of the the generosity of the pedal school district and then the university was able to continue on because, as you mentioned earlier, we have international students. We have missionary kid students since we're a Southern Baptist institution. We have a lot of missionary children uh, whose parents are off in foreign countries. You know, they didn't have anywhere. My son could just he just moved back onto the house. Right. You know, there's no no. But how do you house all these these kids? Well, well, you house them because uh, our sister or our institution across the the town, uh, Southern Miss, the very Mm -hmm. large public institution, that afternoon was meeting with our president. And they moved our entire medical school over to a building that they had just vacated while they were. Wow. And and, and let's keep everyone in the loop here. Like they had just experienced the same thing four years earlier. That's right. So uh, their president, Dr. Bennett, uh, and their provost, uh, Dr. Mosier, were both outstanding and uh, housed our students in dorms. Mm -hmm. And then they uh, moved the medical school and our physical therapy school because you can't move a medical school online. I mean, you probably shocked some of the students. They were probably like, wait a minute. I thought we'd have more than two days off that, before yeah, we had to go back to school. Uh, yeah, yeah. I can tell you that since I had a, my, my son was a student. He was certainly anticipating more of a break than he got. <laughs> right, no doubt. Uh, and he was in calculus, too, at that point. And, I, uh, and go, learning calculus, too, online. And then uh, he had some tests and some also some face-to-face because he went to USM, Southern Miss, the, the institution across town. They let us hold classes there as well. So it, it was just a community effort that allowed us to keep going. And that spring term, which we were in the middle of registration for, uh, we had the biggest enrollment increase we'd ever had. So, That's good. you know, we were thinking, hey, we're about to bottom out. Maybe we just need to regroup and start to back next fall. But our president said, nope, we're going to keep going. And, and you guys and, just hit the three-year anniversary, I guess, about a month or so ago. Yeah. And, um you know, where, where are you now? Are you still rebuilding on campus at uh, all, or is everything it, done? The, everything is done. We're in the, in the final stages of a student services center, which is a three-story uh, new building, which will be there to house uh, all of our student activities, our Baptist Student Union. Uh, we're going to have an international student center. It's going to be magnificent. Uh, we did not have that before the tornado, but it's going to go on the piece of land that was cleared after the administration building uh, was demolished. So it's a result of the tornado because um, the, the geography of the campus is different than it was you know, before the tornado, but it's not with uh, recovery money. Well, I feel like, I, I know you have a lot of expertise and in, in experience throughout your career, but you, maybe you should write a book, you yeah, know? Well, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I, I know you, I, you, it's tough to define yourself by this because you have so many other successes, but this is, you just have a unique perspective, you know? Well, as I joked with you off air before we started, I don't think anywhere is going to hire me if I ever decided <laughs> that, hey, I want to go. You're not bad luck. I, uh, well, I, I'm not good luck <laughs> for sure. So. Surely lightning can't strike four times, right? Well, let's think, let's hope not. Right. Well, again, Again, Dr. Burnett, uh, you know, it's just a remarkable story, uh, and I, I think you have a remarkable perspective, and I really appreciate you sharing this uh, uh, with us. Well, I, I hope somebody out there can uh, learn from that, and uh, you can go on our website, wmcary.edu, and check out. Uh, we have some great aerial footage of our now beautiful campus. There you go. And uh, somewhere on there, I think we have some embedded, some uh, aerial footage, uh, you know, right after the storm. Uh, and if you want to view that, I think it would be a, a pretty educational for people to and, do. And I'm sure, um, you know, if a fellow educator finds themselves in your shoes, they're, they can track you down, probably send you an email. I'm well, sure you'd be happy to. In addition to the other people that I said helped when I was uh, still superintendent and dealing with the one at Oak Grove High School, one of the first calls uh, I got 
was from um, a superintendent in North Mississippi. I don't know if you remember a tornado that hit Monroe County a couple of years before that, and it leveled two or three schools. Mm -hmm. A good friend of mine who's now retired named Scott Cantrell was the superintendent there, and he called me and said, look, these are the things you need to be doing, and he offered help immediately. So you get through things like that from people who've done it before. Right, no doubt. So again, thank you for sharing your story. We appreciate your time. I enjoyed it. That's going to do it for this episode of Class Dismissed. If you want to send us an idea or comment, remember you can always email us at info at classdismissedpodcast.com or tweet us at classdismiss. We're here to support educators, but we need your support as well. So please subscribe to the show. And we'd also appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes. On behalf of all the good people working at School Status and Christina, representing all those educators out there, thank you for listening. I'm Nick Ortigo, and I'll talk with you next week. Class dismissed. <laughs>